Chapter 26 of The History of Birkin Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Patterson. The History of Birkin Hare by George MacGregor. Chapter 26 The Complicity of the Doctors. Numerous Disappearances. Dr. Knox and David Patterson. Patterson defends himself. The echo of Surgeon's Square. The scapegoat. As time went on, the excitement among the public increased, and the newspapers, thoroughly roused to the importance of the Westport murders, and freed from restraint by the decision of the court, spoke out fearlessly. The complicity of the doctors, as it was called, came in for a large share of attention and severe comment. While rumours as to the action the authorities intended to take regarding Hare and his wife were eagerly canvassed. It was stated that Hare, after the trial, made important disclosures, confessing to having been concerned in no less than twelve different acts of murder, in some of which he was the principal, in others the accessory, and that he knew of another, though he was not in any way a party to the commission of it. Then it was said that Burke had confessed to having sold some thirty or thirty-five uninterred bodies during the previous two years, and it was argued that these could only have been obtained by murder, notably the murder of unfortunate women, large numbers of whom had mysteriously disappeared in that time, no one knew how. Natural deaths had become very rare among that class, and for some time the atterment of one of them was a thing almost unknown. This, it was argued, showed that a gigantic conspiracy to murder for the purpose of obtaining subjects for dissection had been going on in Edinburgh, and it was suspected that the gang was larger than it really was. A medical man informed a journalist that in the autumn of 1828 the body of a woman was offered for sale by some miscreants, probably of Burke's gang was the opinion hazarded, to the assistant of an eminent teacher of anatomy in Edinburgh. The assistant did not know them, for they were not regular resurrectionists. He knew them well enough. But as he required a subject, he told them to bring the body, and if it were suitable, he would purchase it. The body was conveyed to the dissecting room the same evening, and on being turned out of the sack, the assistant was startled to see it was that of a woman of the town, with her clothes and shoes and stockings on. He carefully examined the body, and found there was an enormous fracture on the back of the head, and a large portion of the skull driven in, as if by the blow of a hammer. With an oath, he asked them where and how they got the body, and one of them coolly replied that it was the body of an unfortunate, who had been popped in a brawl, in Hulkerson's wind. The subject was refused, and the merchants had to take it elsewhere. This and many similar stories naturally gave rise to a demand for a searching investigation alike in the public interest and in the interests of the teachers of anatomy themselves. It was advocated that all the anatomical teachers and others who used cadavera for their classes, both in and out of the university, ought to be examined as to the manner in which they were accustomed to receive their subjects. In particular, the assistants and students of Dr. Knox during the two previous sessions ought to undergo an examination as to the quarter whence bodies were procured, the state in which they were received, and the manner in which they were dissected. 
Without such a complete and thorough examination, it was argued, the public could have no guarantee that every anatomical teacher in Edinburgh had not a burke in his pay, for it seemed to be the impression in the minds of the people that one gentleman stands in the same relation to burke that the murder of Banquo did to Macbeth. The Edinburgh Weekly Chronicle was especially outspoken in respect to Dr Knox. With regard to Dr Knox, this journal said, too much delicacy and reserve have been maintained by a part of the press. When the atrocities in question first transpired, it was stated that Knox conducted himself with the utmost civility towards the police officers who went to his house in search of the body, when, the fact is, he swore at them from his window and threatened to blow their brains out, and it was only upon their proceeding to force the door of his lecture room that it was opened by one of the keepers. From Knox, the chronicle passed on to Patterson, his curator or porter, who, that journal asserted, actually offered Doherty for sale to a respectable gentleman in the profession before she was dispatched. He saw her in Burke's house immediately after the spark of life had been extinguished, and he then again offered her for £15 to the same gentleman, who indignantly ordered him out of his house. The Caledonian Mercury was equally plain, and would give no countenance to the idea that Knox and his assistants had been opposed upon by Burke and Hare, and gave all its weight in favour of the complicity idea. It also repeated the story of the supposed negotiations between Patterson and the most respectable teacher of anatomy as to the sale of Doherty's body for £15, with this addition that he stated to the gentleman in question on his second visit that the body he wished to dispose of was the body of a woman, and that he had a desperate gang in his pay, through whom he could procure as many subjects as he wished for. Knox remained silent under all these charges, but Patterson could not, and he wrote a letter on the 15th January to the editor of the Caledonian Mercury. He contended that he had been shamefully wronged by the many false and cruel accusations made against him, and stated that he had only kept silence by advice of Dr Knox, as he was, according to promise, to espouse my cause and clear my innocence, but which I now find he has cruelly failed to perform. And I now most solemnly protest and can prove that throughout all the services rendered by me to Dr Knox, I acted entirely under his own guidance and direction." He also denied a statement to the effect that he had absconded and had been dismissed from Dr Knox's service, and he called upon the authorities, if they conceived him in any way guilty in the transaction, to bring him to a public trial, and either let him be found guilty or have the benefit of an honourable acquittal. To this letter, the editor of the Mercury appended some questions, but these will be best explained by a quotation from a letter from Patterson, dated 17th January 1829, in reply to them. He says, After the publication of my letter to you in this day's paper, I observe you have inserted the following queries. First, whether it be true or the reverse, that about one o'clock in the morning of 1st November last, I, in conjunction with another individual whom I well know, offered the body of a woman for sale to a highly respectable lecturer on anatomy. My answer is simply no. Secondly, whether or not I asked £15 for the subject, stating at the same time that Dr Knox would give only 12 Answer, no. Thirdly, whether I did not say that I wished to have no further dealings with the doctor, because he had handed us over to his, the doctor's, assistance. My answer is no. 
and lastly, whether the body so offered was or was not the body of the woman Doherty. To this I answer that having no body to offer, the transaction could not take place. Patterson proceeded to explain, however, that about three weeks before the murder of Doherty, a friend of the most respectable anatomist, referred to by the Mercury, called on him and asked where the individuals lived that were in the habit of supplying Dr Knox with subjects. He did not know, so he could not give any information, but as the sum of £15 was offered for a subject, he promised that the next time he saw the resurrectionists, he would mention the matter to them, provided, always, that Dr Knox was supplied. Patterson again gave a most emphatic denial to the statement of his dismissal, which the Mercury had reported upon the authority of Dr Knox himself, and he had closed a copy of a letter from that gentleman, dated the 11th of January, asking him to return to his employment. Again, the Mercury returned to the charge, and said, Now this is not a question of probability, but of fact, and we again ask him, Patterson, whose was the corpse he confessedly offered for sale an hour or an hour and a half after Burke had, according to his own evidence in the witness box, told him he had something for the doctor which would be ready in the morning. Patterson replied to this on the 23rd January, and complained that he was being made the scapegoat for a personage in higher life. As his letter is not only interesting in itself, but also because there is introduced in it an account of a transaction with Andrew Merrilies, the Merry Andrew of an early chapter of this work, it is worth quoting pretty fully. 